What's up guys, Rick here with one of the most unique aspects of golf wagering, one of the things that presents itself every single week and one of the things I get more questions about than any other topic and it's hedging. So in this video, we are going to cover what is hedging, why should you do it, when should you do it, how can you do it. There are some ways that are better than others, and it's a unique scenario in golf unlike any other sport, so we have to make sure we get this right. Let's jump into it. Very simply, let's start with what is hedging. Hedging a bet is really just making a secondary bet based on the outcome of a primary bet uh, to ensure yourself uh, a profit or to lessen your risk in situations. I'll give you a very tangible example, and I think some of our better examples come from other sports, not in golf. Let's start with an NFL example because this is the easiest one to understand, and then we can work our way from there. Let's say that you have bet $100 on the Arizona Cardinals before the season starts to win the Super Bowl. The odds that you get are 35 to 1. If that ticket cashes, if the Arizona Cardinals win the Super Bowl, you're going to make a profit of $3,500. Very, very simple, right? So as the season goes along and you're seeing, wow, the Cardinals are pretty good. They're going to make the playoffs. Maybe they're going to play a couple games. Maybe they get to the Super Bowl. You're looking at one game where you either win $3,500 or you lose your $100 wager, depending on what the outcome of that Super Bowl is. Or you can hedge. You can bet on the other team in the Super Bowl and guarantee yourself a profit. Now, you're not going to win as much as you normally would if you let it ride, but you can certainly hedge it and guarantee yourself a profit. So let's start with this very specific example. If you bet on the Arizona Cardinals to win the Super Bowl at 35-1 to 1 before the season started, uh, you would bet 100 if you win, you would return not only the $3,500 in profit, but the 100 that you bet. So you would return $3,600 for a profit of $3,500. What you could do in the Super Bowl is bet on the other team. And this is obviously odds dependent, but let's say the other team is the favorite on the money line. Uh, they are minus 200. The hedge that you could make in theory could be betting 2000 on the other team. If they win, you would get $1,000 in profit and 3000 back, right? Your original stake plus the $1,000 in profit. So the two outcomes and the only two outcomes of this bet are if the Cardinals win the game uh, and you, if, if the Cardinals win the game and you've hedged it, you would make a profit of $1,500 because you would win your, your 35 to one ticket, but you would lose your $2,000 bet on the other team. You would profit $1,500. Uh, the other outcome is the other team wins. The Cardinals do not win the Super Bowl, so you lose your 35 to 1 ticket, you lose your $100 there, but you win $1,000 on the other team's wager and you profit $900 from that hedge. So, in either scenario, you have made money. You've either made $1,500 or you've made $900 depending on the outcome and you guarantee that before the kickoff. Now, you can adjust these numbers, uh, you know, if you want to just Guarantee yourself a little bit of profit uh, if the other team wins, but still try to have more upside if, you're, if your Cardinals bet wins. Some people like to do that. But the reason that this is very easy to do in other sports is because there are really only uh, binary outcomes uh, of, of these games. Either the Cardinals win the game or the other team wins the game. That's it. Those are the only two outcomes. Golf is very, very 
different, which we're going to dive into uh, deeply here because it's not just this golfer wins the tournament or that golfer wins. One of maybe five or six guys could win the tournament, especially late on a Sunday or depending on how you want to hedge this. So this is a binary example. This is a really good starting point. And then what other people would do, um, uh, you know, if if you have a Cardinals to win the Super Bowl uh, future bet for 35 to 1, you could hedge each playoff game along the way because if they get knocked out of the playoffs they are not going to win the Super Bowl. Let me tell you, that's how it works. So uh, you could hedge yourself uh, all the way along the way in the playoffs. It's very, very easy to do in this example, but it is not easy to do in golf. The thing that makes golf hedging so sick, fun, I don't know what adjective you want to use to describe it, is in, in our Arizona Cardinals Example, um, you know, if you would have bet them before the season started and you would have waited to the Super Bowl to hedge, it's like a six month wait, right? You're betting them in August, maybe, and they're playing the, the Super Bowl in February. It's six months. Um, and you know, you have a lot of time in between games, especially between the playoffs, between the two weeks to the Super Bowl. You have time to do all of this. In golf, you are getting the same odds, if not longer odds. You know, 35 to 1, 50 to 1, 61, 80 to 1, 100 to 1. And it's all happening very, very quickly. It's happening over the course of four days. So not only are you getting more extreme hedging opportunities, but you're also getting them more frequently. And I think a lot of people panic in this situation uh, because you're getting them more frequently and because most people don't really understand uh, what their options are. So this is a a completely different beast. Uh, Let's jump into a couple of real-life golf hedging examples. The most common time to hedge your golf wager is generally going to be after the third round. So what that gives you is 18 holes, the odds are starting to stabilize, the leaderboard is shaping up, you you don't have to do it in the moment, you have you know the overnight hours um, to kind of get your, your bets and your math all situated, so that's probably the most common time to hedge, obviously depending on the sports books that are available to you, you might be able to hedge every second of the tournament from the time it starts to two minutes to go, right? So th- th- let's just go with this example here, and I actually have a real world example uh, I've changed the names because it came from a, a, an alternate field event, and um, it's just easier if, if if I use some common household names. But the scores and the odds after the third round are all going to be real odds here. So here's our imaginary uh, but real leaderboard in which Patrick Reed uh, leads a golf tournament after three rounds, and he is at 17 under par. He has a three-shot lead on Justin Thomas a four-shot lead on Roy McIlroy, and a five-shot lead on John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau. And odds makers have said that Patrick Reed is minus 125 uh, to win the golf tournament, live and in person, while Justin Thomas and Roy McIlroy are both 5-1, to one, John Rahm is 14-1, to one, and Bryson DeChambeau is 18-1. to one. Now, what you might have is a Patrick Reed ticket before the event started, and he might have been 40 or 50-1. to one. Let's just say he's 50-1. to one. How would you hedge this? What would you hedge with this? How would you do it? Because here's the thing. If Patrick Reed does not win this golf tournament, it is not a binary outcome that, for example, Justin Thomas wins. It's not Reed or Justin Thomas. Because if Patrick Reed doesn't win, it might be because he comes back to 
the field, comes back to the leader or the rest of the leaders. And now Rory McIlroy might be in play. John Rahm might be in play. Bryson DeChambeau might be in play, even though they started five shots back. So what are our options? You could just say, I'm going to hedge Justin Thomas at 5-1, to one, and I'm going to hedge Rory McIlroy at 5-1, to one, and then you start doing the math, and you realize maybe you're slicing up this 50-1 to one ticket too much, and, and what if someone even further back comes up and steals this thing? So we're already treading into murky waters uh, by not being able to have a binary outcome. And speaking of uh, the odds that odds makers have laid on this. So minus 125 for Patrick Reed with a three-shot lead uh, to convert and to win win this golf tournament. You know, he's being uh, implied to win this over 50% of the time at minus 125. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, in the last 15 years, a three-shot lead on the PGA Tour has only been converted 43% of the time. A one-shot lead is only converted 30% of the time. Two shots, 39%. Three, as I mentioned, 43%. Four shots, 76%. And five shots, which seems like insurmountable, is only converted on the PGA Tour 79% of the time. So it is certainly no lock that anyone with a two, three, four, even five-shot lead is going to actually win. So our, our hedging scenario becomes more and more cloudy by the moment uh, as we try to figure out what the best way to approach this, this su- Saturday evening is or this end of third round evening is. So what do we do here? I'm not a huge fan of trying to figure out which one of the chasers to hedge with. I think that maybe we should have planned ahead a little bit on our hedges, right? So ideally one of the... Uh, better ways to hedge, especially on your longer odds tickets, uh, would be to do it before the tournament starts and create your own each way. So uh, an each way bet for those of you who are unfamiliar, and this is more common um, outside of the United States, is essentially you would bet uh, a golfer uh, outright. And then uh, it also takes, so, so if you bet $100 on a golfer to win, an, a, uh, to win a tournament outright, uh, $50 of that would go towards the outright number and $50 of that would go towards, say, their top five number. So if someone finishes second, you're not losing your entire stake. You are getting a portion of that back. Well, you can create your own each way because not a lot of U.S. regulated sports books are offering these as of right now. But before the event started, if you bet someone 50, 60, 100 to 1 and you want to bet $10, Put five on their outright number, five on their top five number. Boom. We have just hedged this uh, out of the gate. We don't have to worry about these troublesome decisions that we're going to be making on Sunday. And if a guy falters, it doesn't matter who beats him as long as he finishes inside the top five or top ten or however else you want to hedge your wager. We should have have taken care of this uh, before the week started. Now, the other way, which I actually think is... Um, a much, uh, it's, it's an intriguing way to do this would be via, uh, betting a round by round matchup prior to the final round. So in our example, Patrick Reed, 17 under par, he is going to play in the final group with Justin Thomas, who is three shots back. If you want to get a little hedge in on Patrick Reed, you could in theory bet a Justin Thomas over Patrick Reed head to head matchup. With the idea being that, uh, one, if Reed still beats Justin Thomas in that final round, he's probably going to win 
right? Unless they both really struggle, they both are over par, something like that. But if he beats Justin Thomas, he's likely going to win, uh, which is going to mean, okay, I've got my, you know, 50 to 1 outright ticket in place. Or if Justin Thomas uh, beats Patrick Reed, then you are getting some portion of your money back. The other fun thing about this is um, you can you can middle this, right? So especially with a three-shot lead, you could technically win both of these wagers. So if you bet Justin Thomas uh, over Patrick Reed in the final round and he beats him by one shot, uh, that is a win on the Justin Thomas head-to-head matchup and Patrick Reed still could win the golf tournament. So it is uh, an interesting way that I think it's not perfect. And there really is not a lot of perfect ways to to hedge your golf outrights, but it is something that you should be considering if you do want to remove a little bit of liability, try to lock in a little bit of um, your... Uh, your profits or potential profits or the value of your ticket because your val- the ticket of your the value of your ticket has gotten so much better over the course of three days. You do want to secure a little bit of that value. I couldn't make a hedging video without discussing, uh, of course, the life hedges that I know a lot of us make on a weekly basis, whether that is, uh, you know, FOMO bets, always betting the same guys every single week, just in case this is the week that they win, or the life hedge where generally some people will uh, bet a winner outright and then not include them in their fantasy lineups. That way, uh, if they go on and win, you're happy over here, but you're not tied to success uh, in both of those places if he happens to miss the cut or doesn't play all that well. It's not sinking both your outright tickets and your fantasy lineups. You're doing a little bit of a life and emotional hedge, which I know is part of the fun as well. So um, there's obviously a lot more and infinite examples of this, whether it's with, with calculations of trying to figure out when and how you should hedge. But at the end of the day, it's your money. Do what makes you feel comfortable. Think ahead on your hedging because I think that's probably the best time to do it before the event. You can still get those longer top five odds and you can kind of hedge yourself that way and not put yourself into the grinder of making a really difficult decision on a Saturday night. Best of luck. I hope you have lots of opportunities to hedge in uh, in the future. I'll talk to you soon.